destroy all children is a website just for you If playing with video games is what you like to do Or rotting your brain with comics and first run movies too We've got a great selection of news and reviews So search us out on the web, you just won't get enough Of all our digital madness and other fancy stuff We'll also make you laugh until your tummy's feeling buff Destroy all children you should go there now. Yeah. Hi, Larry Davis. It's me, George Brundle. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. Uh, as the owner and proprietor of the Destroy All Children brand, I am putting us up for sale. Great, it's about time. How much do you think we can mm. get? $25. Oh, that's better than I expected. That's right. That's because I know how to wheel and deal. Yeah. Rusty's Real how Deal you Baseball, you learned it from that. That's right. It's all I played as a kid, because we didn't as have money kid. for other video games. How old are uh, you? I'm a kid at heart. Oh. Okay. Like Nintendo uh, brings hey. out the kid in all of us. That is, a child unable to discern what a good game is. Oh, man. Thinking about the kind of crap I played as a kid, that's definitely true. Oh, yeah. Thinking about the kind of crap that I play now, actually. Right. You like to just yeah. say, there's nothing out this generation that I really like. <laughs> and then I say, well, have you played this? No. Nope. Too busy playing Pure Solar. That's right. Too busy playing all of the Ninja Turtle games, which are mostly bad. Oh, oh come on. No, they aren't. <laughs> yeah, they Those are. Ones? No, TMNT Arcade is great. Manhattan sure. Heist is not Manhattan Heist. Manhattan Projects is all right. Turtles in Time, amazing, perfect video game. Hyperstone no Heist, surprisingly good, pretty good. Uh, okay. Tournament Fires is where things start falling apart. No, that one's good. That's one of the few good ones. The. Uh... We'll get into this another week. The The original NES Ninja Turtles game is very bad, though. Oh, yeah. and uh, I, I did not play that recently. Like, I, I beat that game probably like two, three years ago. And, yeah, it's fucking bad. The good ones are uh, Turtles in Time, Tournament Fighters mm -hmm. for Super Nintendo. That's it. Well, Team and T Arcade, sure. Have you... Not played Manhattan Projects? Yep. Okay. Well, it's fine. I think so. It's an all right. Like, I would not call it bad, but I also wouldn't say it's, like, amazing or anything. I mean, obviously, it's an NES beat em up, so it's only going to be so good. Wait a second. <sighs> I thought that was on huh? Genesis. Nope. That's Hyperstone Heist. Oh, okay. Hyperstone Heist is, Hyperstone Heist is surprisingly good. Like, We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. I got two different games for this week. Okay. That are that are that are much more. I don't know. I don't like them as much as the Ninja Turtles games. <laughs> yes, they are very frustrating. I'm even trying to like. Okay. Anyway, hey, speaking of video games, uh, Larry Davis, AT and T is offering up Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, according to a CNBC report. Warner Brothers. Uh, yeah. Warner Brothers. Okay. And the sister dot? 
That's right. They're selling the whole uh, water tower. Oh no. Dr. Scratch and Sniff <laughs> finally got his way. Yep. Uh, so we, if somebody watched our um, PlayStation 5 reveal stream, uh, I don't know why they would do that. It'd probably have a lot of me uh, saying that there's a number one inside the font treatment for Demon Souls, which is not true because that was in the original game and I'm stupid. Well, actually, it um, is true. It's just that, yes, that was there in the original one and yeah. I don't know why because it is definitely a one. Yes. Um, that is like when you download a font pack and it doesn't actually have like one of the letters in it, so it just puts it up in like a totally different font treatment or oh, it just sure. puts a number there. Yeah, yeah it's like it, it doesn't have a capital I, so you just have to use the lowercase L. Exactly. Um, yeah, so to issue a correction on that, it was always there. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I'm surprised that this is the first time I ever noticed that, frankly. I never noticed it either. Yeah. Like, well, right after right, that, that you mentioned that, and I went, I even went over to my shelf to check to verify this instead of Google image searching or something because it was faster. I was just like, oh yeah, huh, weird. Yeah, I uh, got told this by uh, my friend Danny because I had mentioned like, oh shit, dude, looks like they might be making a Demon Souls too, and he just acted like I was completely fucking insane. Yeah, uh, well, which he was right to do because I'm wrong. Um. Strong words anyway, we... from a Warframe apologist. True. Um, so anyway, we, we had kind of talked about that it was weird to not see uh, the new Batman Arkham Asylum game as uh -huh. part of the whole PlayStation 5 reveal stuff. Um, and so this gives some context as to why that might be the case, because WB Interactive seems to be in a state of turmoil, uh, or at the very least transition, as uh, I believe that they said that Potential bidders are Take-Two Interactive, Electronic Arts, and Activision Blizzard. Yeah, although the mm -hmm. weird thing with this is I don't know why somebody would want to buy them because it doesn't come with the Warner Brothers IPs. Mm. Like, they would be getting the studio, like, they'd be getting WB Montreal, they'd be getting NetherRealm. I think then they would have Mortal Kombat, but like they wouldn't have access to any of WB's other stuff for the guest characters or uh, Injustice. They couldn't do a, another Injustice. Um, and that would effectively cancel the Batman game also. I wonder if Rocksteady is included with that or if they're technically their own well, thing. I got an update oh. for you on this. Okay. Um, Suicide Squad of Batman Gotham Knights domains have been registered. Okay. Yeah, everybody knew uh, the Rocksteady one was a Suicide Squad game, so... Yeah, so, uh... The, I think that there was some talk about, like, how in August there's a DC fandom event, and yeah. that, that is maybe when we will actually see these things. I was going the to mention that. that now, but, yeah. um... That, that, the only thing with that is that's really late. It's, like, a late August, like, in the 20s or something. Sure. And that... I feel like the Batman game is probably out this year. And it you would seems... think, but considering how little they've shown of it, like I really don't, uh, I don't know what state that game is in. Like I, I think that we had kind of like floated the idea that that seems like a possible contender for like one of those games where you get so far in development and then you throw it all out and you start again. Because it I feels like so. this thing has been talked about for a very long time. 
It has. I think this is just some sort of weird thing where they haven't been able to decide when they're going to reveal it or mm-hmm. like uh, the cancellation of E3 because E3 was probably where it would have shown up. Um, yeah, and then, so... then with this, the, the buyout thing, though, that could probably also be, I mean, it sounds like it definitely is a factor, but then them going and registering these domains is more than I thought we would actually see, given that news of them trying to sell WB Interactive. I kind of thought that that was like, okay, we're not hearing about Batman again. Like, yeah. that game is probably canceled. But Also, it kind of casts things into doubt, considering um, Max pointed out to me that Hitman 3 is being self-published. Not So, the, at first it was Square Enix for the first one. And then they broke out of Square Enix, got the rights to the IP back, uh, and then Hitman um, 2... I'm sorry, by break out of Square Enix, you mean they didn't sell the preposterous amount of units that Square <laughs> Enix wanted them to sell? Yeah, they uh, they were a sacrificial Christ. lamb to Square Enix, uh, just like yeah. Tomb Raider. Um, and so then the second one was published by WB, and then this time, they're out on their own. Which, that's the weirdest thing to me, that... Uh, they are somehow managing to combine all of these into one platform with technically three different publishers. It's wild. Yeah. Weird, wild yeah. stuff. I'm just glad that we're getting a third one in general, considering oh, yeah. what the trajectory has been for those games. Pretty but, soon, um, too. It's like a January next yeah. year, I think. Uh, but I think that they're they're speculating that the price that they're wanting to sell this for is uh what did it say on venture beat uh cnbc said the price could be about four billion but one of my sources said the price offered was two billion so if nether realms and mortal Kombat is uh on the block there you think they're worth four billion dollars no you think that you want to buy the mortal Kombat ip for four billion buckaroos no there is nothing mm. in WB Interactive that I think would be worth one billion. Sure. Yeah, that makes me wonder what it will actually eventually sell for and who it will end up going to. I really hope that it is not Electronic Arts. Mm. Uh, I think out of the three that they float, I would probably want it to go over to Take Two. Uh, I mean, that's better than there Activision, are... yeah. Yeah, they're all bad options, though. Yeah. Like I'd I'd really rather not with all three of them, but like out of those options, take two seems like the best worst one. Is uh, is Monolith now a subsidi- subsidiary of WB also? Uh that's because a very good question, only, I'm not all sure. All they've done are the Mordor games, and those are obviously from them. So I don't know. Yeah, if you could I mean, get hey, Monolith they out would... the deal, that would bump the price up more than another realm for me. Sure. But I mean, hey, if you're buying uh, WB Interactive, you'd also be getting such hot IPs as Harry Potter and Game of Thrones. But, but you wouldn't, though, is the thing. That's the point. Mm, yeah, but I mean, like, even if they got those, I when's the last time someone made a good Harry Potter game? Never. Is there even such a thing as a good Game of Thrones game? Uh, I don't think there not that is I'm one. Oh, there was I the Telltale one. I think there is, yeah. That's it. Which I remember people not enjoying, I want to say. But also Telltale, by that point in time, was not really in the business of putting out good games. I 
I couldn't tell you if it was good or not. I just know that was during the period where they were really oversaturating everything. Yeah. Putting out like five games every month or something ridiculous. No, sure. Just milking this game engine that they've not updated pretty much ever since uh-huh. they made it. Yeah. Basically, yeah, everything just looks like Bone the Great Cow Race. Yeah. Poker Night at yeah. the Inventory. Yeah, that's all right. Poker Night's pretty good. Yeah, it was all right. But also, like, you'd have to try pretty hard to fuck up a poker game. Well, poker's poker. It's pretty. It's, yeah. Uh, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Hot sauce magnate. <laughs> Hot sauce magnate Billy Mitchell yeah. is back in the news again. Tie uh, this time, everything's coming up. Uh huh. Everything's coming up, Billy, because they're putting him back in the Guinness Book of World Records for All some right. fucking reason. Uh, uh, I mean, I think those records actually are legit. Really? Yeah. See, it's I the possibility of them being legit is certainly there for me, but also it's Billy Mitchell, and I do not trust Billy Mitchell, and I do not trust Iron, uh, not Iron Galaxies. What the well, fuck? I don't trust them either. <laughs> Speaking of our twin galaxies, yes. Uh, um, yeah, I don't really trust any of the people who were with Twin Galaxies at that point in time. Uh, I, I think King of Kong made a pretty good argument that they were all uh, pretty disingenuous with the way that they handled record keeping. A little bit, um, but also that movie was I mean, yeah, pushing that a narrative. Movie, so y- yes, but it's it's still a pretty well known fact that they did not behave in good faith. Yeah, like beyond beyond that documentary. Um, well, I'm yeah. just saying there was enough there for the documentary to get material out of it so there's there's truth to it um, well, i mean it's also the same thing that billy mitchell is clearly a jerk uh but oh, yeah. also i think he probably is pretty good at donkey kong he's been oh, he's I don't doubt he's good or kong. something and he was getting high scores like well pretty recently so mm-hmm. uh it would not surprise me that his records actually were real uh, this also to me just doesn't matter that much because I kind of don't give a shit about Guinness Book of World Records records because I I feel they will give you a record for pretty much any weird thing that you can think of. Uh, it's correct. Um, I believe it is John Richardson who has a Guinness record for the uh, highest stand-up gig because he did one on a plane once, and so he got <laughs> a Guinness World Record for that. We should submit this podcast for the most times that somebody has tried to unsuccessfully end a podcast recording. Right, you're a shoe-in for that. Uh, yeah, I've well, got it actually, on lock. No, I am. I guess since the thing is trying to end it. Uh, y- yeah. Remember Dan Reichert mm-hmm. had that record for like longest time spent playing Mario games? Yeah, um... Was it Mario games in general, or yeah. was it specifically like Smash Brothers or something like that? No, it was just Mario in general. Okay. That was the whole idea, because he found that much more palatable than one single game for the entire duration. I mean, that's a yeah, that's a pretty good point. But God, well, anyway, congratulations to Billy Mitchell. Congrats. I guess. Yeah. Hats off to you, Billy. Rats off to you, Billy. It was the guy who uh, faked all the dragster scores, though. Like he's oh. still definitely a fraud. Oh yeah, right. Uh, I don't remember. 
I mean, you can tell that guy's a fraud, though, just from looking at him. Yeah. I mean, perhaps it's better that nobody remembers. Well, I'm sure some people remember, but I don't. Put Dragster on the trash heap of history. Mm, I mean, the game, not even the dude. I mean, that thing well, fucking sucks. Well, yeah, it's a terrible game. Yeah. It's like a Mario Party mini game, but worse. Oh, man. Which is really saying something. Yeah. Imagine fact, people trying to like go for high scores in specific Mario Party minigames. I mean, that actually is a Mario Party minigame. Remember uh, Mario Speedwagon? That's what it was called. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> that was a minigame in one of the Mario Parties. It's a drag race. Which Mario exactly, Party? I don't know, like three, three or four? It's a yeah. GameCube Well, I got one, the I first three, and I put, well, then it wouldn't be three, because three's on the Nintendo 64. Oh yeah, uh, I know this because I have a bootleg copy of Mario Party Three. Congratulations! What's what's on the cover of Three? Two is Cowboy Mario. What's Three? Um, I'd have to look it up because I'm I'm not going to move into. It the doesn't other, matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. No, nope, too late. Yeah, it's so just the... everybody. It's just all the characters looking normal. Mario's got his hands up, like, "What are you going to do about it?" Just the crew of Mario looking normal. <laughs> That's right. This Wario there's here, a, looking normal. There's a Koopa on there. There's a Waluigi on the cover, uh, standing okay. next to Luigi. Is a Goomba. Three, uh, a three is the one with the Millennium Star, right? I uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Well, either way, I think it's. A, I'm pretty sure it's a GameCube one. I don't think N64 had the raw power to handle drag racing. No, I don't know. But either way, yes. The system yes. was a fucking mess to program for. You think somebody's going to be able to replicate Dragster on it? No. Uh, so, yeah, it was basically exactly the same thing, where it's just like, hold yeah. A to accelerate, shift up at the right points, and they called it Mario Speedwagon, which is a really good I mean, name that was wasted yeah, on that. It is a pretty good name. Well, uh, that's all I got for the news. Uh, other than the fact that the PlayStation 5 is is still a thing now. We are Woo! living in a post-PlayStation 5 world. That's uh, right. I like how there's a lot of speculation on how big the unit is. And I yeah. feel that every time there's a mock-up of like what its potential size could be compared to other consoles, that people just keep making it bigger, and I really <laughs> appreciate that. Bigger. Uh, you could extrapolate that pretty easily just by looking at the size of the disk drive. I never really yes. thought to like try to figure it out, but so that is one of the uh, mock-ups that I had seen was stacking it next to all the consoles that have released since the Xbox 360 mm -hmm. and measuring it based on the disk drive slot, and so it still stands taller than any other system that has come out since then. It's bigger than the PlayStation 3. Oh, if sure. you are going off of that comparison specifically. And like you said, I think that's probably the best way to just kind of eyeball it right now. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I actually want to see it sat down physically next to something that I know the size of, like a like a Xbox Series X or even <sighs> like a PlayStation Four or perhaps uh, a stack of Briscoe County Junior DVD cases. Well, sure, that's the uh, ultimate way of determining scale. Uh, uh -huh. you mean the only an... measurement system that we use over here at Destroy All Children is did... how many briscoes deep is it? Did you uh, did you mean Xbox One X, not Xbox Series X? Larry, who could really say? Well, I mean, I don't know if you really know the size of either. Actually, I'm um... not sure I even know the difference between any of them at this point. 
Xbox Frankly, One X is the one that's been out for a while. Series X okay. is the big one. That's the big square boy coming out. Uh, the and Xbox then, One is it has Halo on it, right? No, not anymore. They canceled it. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, and Xbox Series S is the rumored slim thing that will be coming out also. But who knows about that? They haven't said anything about it. I. Alright. Might not be real. This as soon as the podcast ends. It's I mean, right, that would be weird. Right them releasing a slim version of it now at this point in time. Well, it'd be lower powered. I think the idea is that would be essentially comparable to the current Xbox One X, but cheaper. Like, I think okay. people are saying it'd be like 200 bucks or something. Hmm. I guess that wouldn't be so bad. Anyway, did you have uh, anything you wanted to talk about with PlayStation 5 now that we've had a, a whole week to digest all of that news? Uh, although, keeping keeping in mind that still no release date, still no price. No, uh, there no other been rumors, been rumors that pre-orders will be going up on July 7th. Uh, I don't know mm. if there's some sort of event planned for that. Uh, Xbox has something going on next month, and that'll probably be when they say the price and release date. But for PlayStation, I don't know. Yeah, the the thing that I had seen was a bunch of people speculating at $800 because that was a thing <laughs> that Michael Pachter said, and I really am kind of beside myself that people still listen to Michael Pachter. Yeah. The guy only ever makes two different kinds of predictions, uh, which is either something that's very dull, dumb, and obvious. You don't need a market analyst to tell you. Or something that is just so fucking wild, it has absolutely no hope of being true. He never, he's never in the middle. It's never, yeah. I'm, I'm using the knowledge I have of this industry to make a well-calculated prediction. It's always one of those two extremes. Yeah, Michael Pachter is either like, um, the next console will still have a disk drive. Or... <laughs> Uh, yeah. The next con- the PlayStation 5 can function as a Star Trek style replicator You can yell at to make a Rectachino It'll beam the video games directly into your brain Finally It's yeah. an orb just like that PS7 <laughs> commercial Whatever that was you turn, you turn it on by placing your hands on it and saying Hey orb Say hi to the orb Hi orb No not like that That was stupid I like how we just keep referencing this one bit from a Gary Busey guest starred episode of Loveline that no one listening to this podcast has ever heard in it's their classic. entire life. It's it is. Say hi to the orb. Hey, orb. No, there's no, no, that's not what you do. All right. That was stupid. I enjoy it. Me too. Almost as much as I have begun to enjoy listening to Art Bell while playing JRPGs. As you should. You listened yeah, to that no, whole I, uh, Alien in the Freezer thing, by the way? I did. Uh, I, I started this journey of mine listening to all of the Mel's Hole saga while playing Donkey Kong 64. Because <laughs> I've another lost all control of my fucking life. You're like stew uh, making pudding at 4 a.m.? <laughs> yeah, this is my version of stew making pudding at 3 a.m. Um, yeah, I listened to all the Alien in the Freezer one. I've been getting into like the... Uh, where he has the lines open and he basically screens none of the calls. He's just like, hey, whatever, call me up. Well, he, don't, he uh, never, he... like, very rarely screened anything because it was mm. basically just him at his house. It was his studio. Mm. Uh, 
but I yeah. there's one What's in particular the I like. Yeah, uh, there's one of those in particular I liked because he um, keeps saying throughout the broadcast, like, God, I really would like to talk to some time travelers tonight. Maybe we <laughs> yeah. should. Maybe I should talk to. I mean, Sirius XM have always taken care of me. Maybe we should get a dedicated time traveler line. But ah, oh, gee, I don't want to say only time travelers call. That's not fair to everybody else. Oh, the time traveler. Uh, there was one like back when he was on terrestrial radio. Uh, and there's a really bit, really good one where he gets mad at this guy who called in, who uh, was saying he was having like visions of the future or something. And Art's like, "No, I said this line is only for time travelers, people who have actually traveled in time. You do not qualify. Goodbye." He <laughs> gets really mad at him. I love it. Um, I just I like how when he is requesting time travelers call in, there's a lot that are just truck drivers calling in saying like I've experienced some sort of like time loop. I'm I'm an hour closer to my destination when I shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, uh, and I just like to imagine those are truck drivers who have somehow never heard of time zones, and so they've rolled over <laughs> into another one, and they're just like, "What happened to this hour? Where did it go?" I thought they were just. Uh... Like taken too many speed pills or something and went into a fugue state for a while and didn't realize oh, it like just lost yeah. time uh, that's a possibility the, the best part about the alien in the freezer thing is that guy is such a crackpot that he's talking about all of this stuff and you're thinking like well then surely someone should be able to corroborate all of his credentials and everything like he's a professor or whatever it was yeah, and then he's a doctor yeah, and then mysteriously, as part of his story, these government people apparently erased all of the records. Mm. That's very convenient. Yeah, it is. See, it's, you gotta do it like the Mel's Hole guy, uh, whose name is Mel. Don't know if you know that, but... What? He... Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Mel, like, I he would, just would love always... to see this hole. Mel, what he did that was really smart is he would just say, hey, I'm not giving out the exact location of my hole because then everyone's going to want to come see my hole. Mm -hmm. And, like, I still want to, like, live my life with my hole. I want my hole's autonomy respected. Mel, uh, your hole then... could be worth millions of dollars. <laughs> what have you tried putting into your hole, Mel? <laughs> <laughs> But the, the the thing that I think is very smart about this too is that that location, if you try to do like satellite imaging, there are these two large like white blocks that block out potentially where one of these holes is. I can't remember if it was Mel's specifically or like one of the other ones because that story expands to so there being multiple of these holes. It was uh, Mel's was the uh, the blackout thing. Although at some point okay. I think that got resolved and you can actually kind of see where it was. Which is interesting. So the explanation that I had read, and I don't know how far back this was theorized uh, versus what you're telling me now that they might have actually resolved all this, but it was that there was like a military base out there, so it was blocked off because they didn't want satellite imaging of a military base. I think that's probably the one in Nevada that he talks okay. about later. Yeah. The one they put the Which, sheep like, in. The like that's a that's a smart thing to do though is because then you know people can't corroborate they can't corroborate it and then it gives your story some credence because you're saying like the government they fucking blacked out my they don't want you to see my hole man yeah yeah mel had it all uh mel had it all figured out he just disappeared to australia 
for a while, so it'd be even harder to find him. Oh, sure, but then he came back. Yeah. <laughs> and then he woke up on a bus missing teeth or something, right? Yeah. Boy, t- take care of teeth is bad enough, but guy's belt buckle? No, that's low. <laughs> that's one of the best belt I lines. <laughs> I do really like that he has a whole side gig of making different belt buckles for people. Yeah, um, out of forks or whatever. Yeah. Also, uh, out of metal with... that he found in the hole was was part of it too, because the oh, belt okay. buckles have like special properties. Right. Um, and there was but... the mysterious coin that he uh, could not take a picture of. Which first yeah. he tried to say like, okay, yeah, I'll get a picture to you, and then later when he calls back, he's like, well, I tried to take a picture. I I can't. I've got to get my nephew or whatever knows about computers to take a picture. And then later, <laughs> it's like, well, I tried to, and it's weird. It just disappears when you try to take a picture of it. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite line because you had mentioned uh, the the taking a guy's belt buckle thing, but my favorite is when somebody calls in talking about how you can like put a radar down there, and uh, they ask like, "Well, what if you could you like put a police radar down there?" And the answer was, "Well, no, you'd be able to tell how fast the hole is going, though." Yeah, <laughs> so good. Anyway. Mel's Hole's really good. It's a great listen if you've not if you've got four hours to dedicate to that madness. Is it only um, four? I want to say so. Yeah, um, I thought it was like six or something. Actually, it might it might be six. I the the video is divided into two parts on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I I think part one is four hours, part two is two hours. Uh, uh, yeah, because so the first part is like all of the stuff with his original hole, and then the Nevada hole, and then the second yes. part is like. Uh, him calling back after he had been to Australia and all of that. Yeah, that that is where it starts getting into the bit of like, oh, this um seal looking thing came up and started like telepathically communicating with no, us. No, no, the seal thing is from the Nevada hole because that's where he uh, was with the Native Americans. And I think Nevada. I think part two then starts to get into the Nevada hole actually because I remember that uh, stuff being like pretty like back end of the whole Mel's Hole saga. Maybe I'm know. wrong. And it, look, it's uh, I listen to a lot about Mel's Hole. Okay. <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep straight after a while because there's a, a whole lot to that story. But yeah, the alien in the freezer thing is wild too because I just like the idea of this little weird alien dude just running around screeching <laughs> in this guy's home and him not knowing what to do about it. Yeah, and it, like it just watching him also and he's just like, yeah. man, I don't know. What am I supposed to do about it? Yeah, there's one bit where he's just like, I just turned around and he was just standing there watching me for like five minutes and then yeah. he disappeared. Or like it, it'll just like appear to him every once in a while, just like, hey, what's up? And just stands there and then disappears again. I do appreciate that though that that guy fabricated images to make it seem more real. Like he made or found this little alien puppet thing that he uh-huh. could use. Uh, he made it look like it had the back of its head cracked open. He did the whole thing with like the weird like obelisk chip in the woods uh yeah. which like when you compare it to mel's hole mel didn't go that far to actually make these like convincing for the time forgeries the way that the alien in the freezer guy did although you know i guess that's the uh trade-off is you could easily corroborate that the freezer alien guy is not legit because like you said he's a doctor you should be able to look up that stuff yeah so the so. speculation i had heard about Mel's hole also was that 
the original Mel call was legitimate, like he had a weird hole that he didn't really know what to do with. And then at some point, Mel was uh, either paid off or impersonated by somebody else. Or, I don't know, like mind experimented on or something would be more out there. But that that was done in an attempt to make him seem less credible so nobody would pay attention to it. Mm. Which I... I mean, I just think it's... I think he's just a weirdo. I think it's just bullshit to begin with, and it's just a guy weaving a story. Like, I think that's pretty much all the stuff on Art Bell is just people calling in, and they just have a story that they want to tell. Sure. But also, the thing is... I think it's all bullshit, and I have no fun. But the thing is, the original Mel's Hole call, though, is not, like, crazy. Like, it's just like, I got the hole... I don't know how that's what makes it, is. it But that's what makes the ramping up of it so good. Right. Is and like the foundation of it is believable enough that eventually like, yeah, you gets can have a big hole in your backyard. Like the the lights coming out of it. Like the dark yeah, pillars the, or something. Which yeah, he does not think to mention it, early on. Yeah, it spitting stuff back up and the stuff it spits up is uh seems to be from an altered timeline or otherwise changed. Yeah. Um but yeah, like that is a it is a slow ramp up to that stuff. I think the black pillar light is the first thing that you get that's you know trying to make this paranormal argument for the hole. But like at the very start of it, it's just I got a really deep hole and I'm putting fishing wire down there and I don't know where the fuck it ends. Yeah, like that's all right. That's kind of believable. Um, like even then, like at the start, there's stuff to hint that this is bullshit because they're trying to do like measurements and they come, they basically come up with like this is the deepest hole on Earth and that seems very implausible. Well, yeah, but that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Mel's whole story is really good, it uh, whether it's real or not, which it's definitely not. Uh, <laughs> I bet Mel had an actual hole. Mm. I'm going with all of it is fake. Yeah, especially the truck drivers and their time traveling. I think <laughs> that at at best, like you said, they they've taken too many pills and they don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Man, radio <sighs> radio was good. Yeah, like actually, the the really fucked up thing about the uh, coast to coast AM is that like what happened to it after Art Bell died. Like now yeah. it's just another one of those crackpot right like. How that dude had like Alex Jones on or something like that, and like, man, fuck. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's another like alt right conservative radio thing now. When it used to be like, here's a bunch of weirdos saying that they traveled through time and that they're freezing aliens and throwing stuff down holes. Like that stuff is great. <laughs> freezing aliens and Wish throwing stuff down holes. Throw the aliens in the hole. It's a good Actually, idea. Probably shouldn't. Probably shouldn't do that. It seems like it'd be real bad. Well, if you put a sheep um, down there and that comes back with like a seal alien inside it, mm-hmm. then what would happen if you threw an alien down there? Oh no! It would have a small mel inside of it. <laughs> I thought you were going <laughs> to say a small true. sheep. Mm-hmm. I'd prefer to think that another mel comes out of the hole because that would be a really fucked up. If Mel then has like a doppelganger that's running around, it would. Hey, I play oh. video games. What? That's right. I have no. completed three of them. All right. Tell me about The Last of Us Part Two. No, not. No. 
Uh, I played The Surge 2, sequel okay. to uh, the great game Surge 1, which I did not finish, but this one I finished. Yeah, I, I think I got probably three hours in the first Surge, and I kind of was not into it at all. Surge 2 is much better. Um, mm. It also is extremely easy. Uh, to the point, like, it's basically Dark Souls 1 level easy uh, And it gets easier as it goes on Because, like, once you get heavy armor uh, I got that, and from then on I, I just tanked every boss And usually killed them the first try Because uh, you can just wail on them to get batteries Which uh, are your heals And just keep going at it No problem uh, But... Overall, it was good. The level design is bizarre and labyrinthine in a way that I wasn't always into. Uh, especially because with the sci-fi setting, things kind of blend together a bit more than they would in a Souls game or yeah. something. A lot but, of sterile hallways. No, because everything's like bad mm. and run down. Well, but, I mean, I still mean like... You know, like a spaceship is just going to have the same sort of very blank, sterile hallway. Even if you fuck it all up, it's still just kind of that. I guess so. But I mean, this yeah, is more like well, ruins on Earth. Sure. Uh, um, okay. I did not know. What was that? Uh, what was what? Uh, I don't know. Sound like something okay. going. Whoa. Oh, that's uh, the alien that I keep in my refrigerator. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Tell him to shut up. Just don't, don't, don't worry about him. Uh. But yeah, the Surge 2, uh, pretty good Liked a lot more than the first uh, I really like its whole uh, loot system And uh, limb targeting And like, cut off the arm to get the arm part And all that stuff It's pretty good uh, The balance for so some of that you have to attack that... certain body parts to get certain pieces of loot that you want Is what you're saying Yes, so okay. yeah, You can attack, you can select body, head, arms, legs Um and so you're not actually getting gear bits from them You get their weapons When you cut off mm. the arm that's holding the weapon You only get that once um, See I want getting... if What? I want them to then put the Metal Gear Revengeance thing in there Where I can slice them up in slow motion And get all of the loot off of them I mean it is in slow motion But oh. uh, mm. But it's like kind of the same animation each time And I turned off the slow motion so, uh, but you're getting schematics for it, and then you craft the armor with the parts you get. So, like, once you have the schematic for something, from then on, you just get parts of whatever grade that would be. And the nice thing is, if you want to craft, like, a, you always start from Mark 1 and then move up to whatever your current tier is. Uh, but you don't have to go get, like, lower tier parts for anything. You can just convert. Higher tier parts into a lower one Like a 1 to 2 ratio So that's nice mm. You never have to like go back and farm anything Um yeah, It's been uh, so long I don't remember how the crafting Worked in the first surge like, I, at all. I think it was very similar Uh The Some of the balance for some of that stuff is kind of weird Like I feel like I was stuck at mark 5 for a while And then kind of just jumped up to 8 At a certain point Hmm uh, and the implant for your uh, health, basically your Estus flask or whatever, 
I was stuck for a long time at it doesn't like scale at the same rate the armor does. I think at the end I had like mark 5 and 10 for weapons and armor. Um and it was like stuck at 4 for a very long time from, from like halfway through the game until like basically at the end when I started getting the uh 5 level upgrade materials for it. Would you basically just get from the guys at the very end that like split into two of them and they're made of nano machines or something? Uh, just like Metal Gear of Vengeance. Yep. And my main issue with the game is that it loves to reuse bosses. Uh, Dark Souls Three as style. In... Okay, I was going to ask, as in like just making them regular enemies you encounter no. later, or it just is like, hey, here's this boss I fought earlier in the game. I'm fighting him again. Yep. Uh, you yeah. fight like uh, Brother Eli. You fight him three times. Although the last one is different, but he's like the final boss. Um, you fight. Uh, there's this like dinosaur thing made of nano machines. Uh, you fight. Ooh. So now I'm interested in playing this video game. It's a pretty cool nano boss. machine dinosaur. Yeah. All right. Uh, goodbye, nano machine dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, but you fight that one once, and then I think there's another one you have to fight, and then. There are like two more that are optional. Mm-hmm. Do get an achievement. And they're just like the. Though, killing they're the same them. model and everything. It's not just like oh, we made the dinosaur look different because it's an optional dinosaur. Uh, so when you fight it the first time, it has three phases, and the other ones okay. are like the individual phases of it. Uh, it's all right. It's really stretching that content out, I guess. Oh yeah. Again, like spread it thin. They're kind of just optional things. The other yeah, ones mostly it's so not such a big deal. Um, um yeah, I think with like Dark Souls recycling bosses as ordinary enemies, like the first time I saw that it was kind of neat because it was just like, oh shit, there's multiple capper demons down here. That's fucked up. I mean they just stole um, that from Devil May Cry 3. Uh, it's also a thing that happens in Castlevania games. Um but like I, I think that trope after a while has really kind of just grown tired to me because it starts to feel like Oh, we're just really trying to reuse this asset as much as possible. Yeah, I guess. Like, we could just copy and paste this thing to other areas and have it keep the same, like, AI routine and not have to worry about it. Like, especially in Dark Souls, when you look back at the Cabra Demon boss fight, specifically how it was just, here's a regular enemy from later in the game that does all the stuff that that enemy does, and then we threw a couple of dogs in here, too, <laughs> just to make it seem hard. Yeah. Like, it just ends up actually seeming to be very lazy. Um, plus them putting that in an arena that is very very cramped also second asylum demon that's uh-huh. another example of that yeah appears into this time he's got fire uh, then you fight him like a third time in the demon runes you do? remember? yeah No. you, fight the, you fight the first asylum demon uh, then you can go back for the optional one that takes place after, like underneath that arena. Yeah. Uh, then in the demon runes, there is one that he looks like all ashen and everything, and like you fight oh. him near where you find Solaire down there. Yes. Okay. I th- yeah, I think it's before the centipede boss that you fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See. So they they use that same boss three times in that game, but at least like. 
one of them is optional. I think you have to fight one of the demon runes, but I might yeah, be wrong I think about so. that. I thought that was like a. I thought it was slightly different. But yeah, you're, you're probably right. It, it's probably basically yeah. It. I I think it is slightly different, but I'm. It's like the same model, so. Okay. I think it's largely got the same AI routine, but yeah, it's uh the the Soul series is uh pretty rotten with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. So yeah, it's uh, an accurate homage then. Yes. Uh, yeah. Also, but they nailed it. They got speaking the, they... of the whole like boss versus regular enemy thing. There's like that in reverse, where uh, one of the late bosses is just like. A souped up version of one of the regular enemies You fight earlier on Oh see that's even worse Yeah it's a very easy too. Like, So a really cool thing at the end of the surge too Is it shows you Very detailed stats About like players what, what they did how often they died And everything for one thing A lot of people are really bad at that game apparently uh, Because I beat it In like half, half the time That I think a lot of people spent on it uh, And they also died a whole lot more. Um, See, that's something that I wish that the Souls games actually incorporated. Like, they had a little bit of that in Dark Souls 2 with that... Uh, yeah, it's just like that plaque a, that just tells yeah, you like, the, how much everyone has died, though. Yeah, and it's just a flat number. It's yeah. just like, this is how many deaths total in this game. And, like, that's there's a novelty to that, I guess. Like, it's kind of neat seeing... That for like a second and then never checking it again for the rest of the game because who gives a shit? But like, what me, I would really like just... is what the Surge 2 does, which is, oh, here's the average playtime, here's the average amount of deaths. Like, that's a lot more interesting to me. Like, yeah. I wish that they incorporated something like that. The Dark Souls one comes across like their stupid prepare to die thing, like, oh man, we're so hard. This, how many people yeah. died in it? Whatever, shut up. Completely misunderstanding what made Demon Souls good, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, because everyone said it was hard, and then they—that's the fucking lesson that they took. Yeah, but the surge, um, the stats from it, like break it down by area, by boss, and everything, and that's pretty cool to see. Uh, like it tells you like average number of deaths on each boss uh, by players, mm-hmm. and that one I'm talking about, it was something like point zero, or it's zero point three, I think. Average deaths on it So almost nobody actually died from that thing So yeah, I don't know why it was even in there uh, But you can also see, see like It's not just me that found it to be easier as it goes on Because you can see the average number of deaths per boss Like go down as it goes on Which is interesting uh, See I wish I had that kind of like stat For uh, that, that dragon boss Um in the DLC of Dark Souls 3 That one that's basically a monster hunter fight Because it takes fucking forever I haven't played any of the DLC for 3 So no. I don't know The DLC for 3 is actually good uh, Surprising uh, considering the DLC For the first two games was not uh, The DLC for 2 There's some good stuff in there uh, I didn't care too much for it I thought those also, areas were too long The first one has good stuff too actually I don't know why you hate it so much I really did not like the DLC for the first game Like at all I, Yeah I, I know. know The the area did nothing for me The bosses did nothing for me I didn't like it I don't killed like all the mushrooms I didn't care Yeah Okay Yeah now, The boss fight Actually yeah the, the boss fight with um 
uh, why am I forgetting his name? The dude who's a stand-in for Guts, basically, because he's got a bum arm. Astoria? The one Souls. I just said? Wait, that's... Who that... Okay. I thought that was somebody else. I thought that was, like, the name of the location that Wait, you were in. Artorias. I don't remember. Yes, that's it. Artorias. Yeah. yeah. That fight was alright. It's all the same word. That was... They just jumbled it up. It, though. Yeah. Eh, well. Bloodborne okay. had decent DLC. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, so... Yeah. Then, uh... I also played Yoku's Island Express. Which is a Pathfinder pinball game. Just like Dark Souls. Yeah, exactly. And, uh... <laughs> that was fun. It was a cute little game. It's on Game Pass. If you have Game Pass and want to check it out, uh, at least on Xbox, I don't know if it's on PC or not. Um, but yeah, it was a neat uh, sort of marriage of the two things. I will say, as a heads up, if you want to 100% it, which is not very hard, I did it. It didn't take that long. Um, go for the scarabs because you're gonna need those for 100%. Which in all of the pinball areas, there are these sort of faintly drawn scarabs on the side and as you complete certain objectives like like doing a little loop or something or hitting a bumper or whatever it'll fill it up sometimes you'll have to do them like four or five times in order to completely fill the scarab but then it'll crap out a bunch of fruit uh, and then like complete it and then next time you go there it'll be gone so um, they do get marked on the map eventually but only once you've gotten like I want to say it's like 70% of them or something. So if you just do them as you go along, then by the time you are near the end or looking for the last ones, they'll be marked on the map. But if, like me, you were not bothering with those for a while, uh, then you have to kind of just go through the game again and look for them until you've gotten enough that starts marking them. Mm. Uh, but Yoku's Island Express, I would say, is very similar to Sonic Spinball, but good. Okay, I'm interested now. Yeah. Uh, Sonic Spinball had some ideas. It made good on none of them, but it had ideas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, the light, the light platforming stuff was all right, except for the fact that Sonic was uh, slow, which, first of all... <laughs> yeah, mm. this is like Sonic Spinball, but runs above two frames per second. Oh. So, so like, four? Higher, uh, I think it's actually what? at sixty. That's a lot of frames. I know. It makes it pretty hard that's... to play. You can't really keep up with it like you could with Sonic Spinball. Yeah, no, you need to bump that down to thirty. That's all my old man eyes can process anymore. Uh, but yeah, also, oh, another tip for Yoku. Uh, you get an ability called the Slug Vacuum. You use this to suck up slugs. They're explosive you'll use them to break rocks and things it tells you pull down the left or right trigger when moving towards the slug to suck it up i did this it did not work it like slows down and like the vacuum was going but the slug would not get sucked up and i thought i had soft locked the game or something i thought maybe i wasn't supposed to be here yet maybe i needed some other ability or something i don't know it turns out you have to wait until you get close to it and it does the slow motion thing and then you hit LT or RT to suck it up. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. It should not do the slow motion thing 
or it should just automatically like suck them up if you're holding it down like it says to. Um, but other than that, I had a good time with it. Oh, conceptually, it sounds very interesting to me. Like, yeah. uh, it's merging short. a pinball game with a Pathfinder is not something that I would. I don't know. I, I kind of didn't expect that to be a thing, but yeah. now that it is, like, yeah, it sounds like that'd be a really good time. Actually, yeah. it's a neat combo. Um, you got your Pathfinder in my pinball game. Mm-hmm. And then, continuing the Pathfinder trend, I played Ori and the Blind Forest, which is fine, pretty good. Just, just, just fine. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, it's, Sorry. I mean, it's upper tier, I would say. Like, you know, it's not like some random garbage from Steam. Um, but it's also, it's no, um, it's not it's, like a Metroid Fusion. No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, it's, it's no, Speaking uh, of garbage. it's no Ori and the Will of the Wisps, I can tell you that. Uh, because after playing the first one and going to the second, I, I got whiplash from how much better the second one is immediately. Whoa, I get it. It's pretty good. Will of the Wisps. You got whiplash. Oh, no, that actually doesn't track. Shut up. Um, so my brain the, is. Oh, my brain. So the first game, sort of the main issue is the combat is real bad. It's a neat idea where you basically just have homing attacks. Uh, and so you just like hop around and mash X to shoot everything in your vicinity. Except every enemy like basically attacks by just shooting crap everywhere, which will then explode. And also everything glows. And I found it's my, I'm sure it's my old man eyes now or something, but I found it very difficult to tell what was going on most of the time. Like I would just miss projectiles like somewhere in that mix and get hit by them. Also enemies do a whole lot of damage. For the most part, when until you say what? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go on. I was gonna say um, until you get a late game upgrade that reduces the amount of damage you take, which makes everything trivial, and you can just run through everything. Hmm. Uh, uh, so when you say projectiles, do you mean like a bullet hell levels of just no. there being projectiles everywhere, or is it like manageable? I mean, it's manageable. It's just like um. There are these blob things which will just like shoot out three spikes and then when those land they create a sort of a glob on the floor that will then explode. Mm. And they also shoot pretty quick so you'll just be hopping around trying to shoot them. I don't know. When you say like lots of projectiles on the screen and your eyes just kind of glazing over and not being able to process it, like the place that I always go to is bullet hells. Like I struggle with those games so much because my like I just cannot mentally or physically process all that shit happening happening at once and so, actually like discern where I'm at or the size of my hitbox. So actually those I don't yeah. have an issue with. But this the Weird. thing is like the enemy is glowing, the projectiles are glowing, your character is glowing, and also the things you're shooting are glowing. And so it's just like this mess of fireworks and trying to find what in the middle is coming at you to hurt you. It's just um, too many particle effects yeah, kind of kind, thing. Kind of. Um yeah. But, I, um, I could see how that would be disorienting. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but the platforming is good in it. It's not amazing. Um, I will say there's an area I missed after I finished the game, which, by the way, way shorter than I thought it would be. Uh, I met, finished the main story and got most collectibles. 
about six hours or so. And most of the collectibles I couldn't get to were because I skipped an area of the game, which I went to, and I thought I needed an item for it because it's uh it's a dark area where you can't see anything. And I thought I needed something to light it up because yeah, you got to get the glasses that are like a couple rooms back. You put the glasses on and then it like you can see like just a little bit around you, but you can't see the entire room. Sure. Or like uh, in Hollow Knight. happens in harmony of dissonance is what I'm referencing. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah. in Hollow Knight also there's like a little lightning bug thing that you get that will light up a very similar area. And this, mm-hmm. no, you're just supposed to go in there and fumble around until you get to a place where uh, you sort of get this light that you can carry around and solve puzzles and stuff, which is very cool. Uh, That's so just like I, Harmony of Dissonance. <laughs> yeah, so I just skipped that place and forgot about it, actually. Until I'd finished the game and went back And turns out uh, That's where you get This uh, ability that will let you Get into all these doors And light these lanterns and stuff Be able to finish mm. the game uh, Yeah in, uh, in 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 Harmony I, I kind of mentioned that You get these glasses to go through it. To give some context for that It is precisely two rooms And that's it That you need these uh, glasses on To be able to see in and then that is an inventory item that you have to take off and put back on. Uh, like, you'll find better stuff that you'll want in that slot later on, but you'll have to backtrack through that room, so it means you got to do menuing just to clear two rooms. Mm-hmm. So, like, at a certain point in the game, I was like, I'm not doing that, and I would just blindly run through there and just run into spikes constantly. Yeah. Great. I just come out the other end of that with, like, half of my health and just be like, whatever, fuck it. There's a save door over here. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other reason that I thought that I wasn't supposed to be there yet Is because you have an ability called Light Burst Which you would think would be, oh, I need that to light that room, right? Nope Yeah, you burst the light and then the room becomes visible And then yeah. you gotta do it in like the next room Exactly, but no yeah. You get the light burst by going through that Also, I don't know why it's mm. called Light Burst Because it's like you throw a little ball of light It doesn't burst out of you <laughs> So whatever Alright Also I think that room is also where you get the dash Which would have been very useful at other parts in the game uh, Because it was weird Because very early on I unlocked a thing And it was like you can dash in the air now Cool I guess Don't know how But not on Do you need the thing to dash on land To be able to use the thing to dash in the air But you get yep. the air dash thing before the land thing Yeah well, okay. the thing is, so this area I skipped, you can get into pretty early. Like, I think as soon as you have the double oh, jump, okay. you can get in there. But I thought I wasn't supposed to be in there. I thought I needed the light burst or something. So is it is it, it just otherwise completely optional though? Like, are you able yeah. to beat the game without going into the? Okay. Yeah, that... I did. Huh. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a moment where I was like, I swear you said that you beat this thing despite not going in there, but. Like, the ability to dash and air dash in a Pathfinder game seems so critical that, like, it surprises me you would be able to beat one of those games without it. Because in any Pathfinder game I've played, like, you need those moves to be able to beat the game. Yeah, you don't need it. So, I think that might be an area added in this definitive edition or whatever. I think... That would make sense That the area you add You would maybe not need to complete the game That they wouldn't yeah. restructure 
well, you know, everything else to conform around it. Also, you have so many other movement options. Like, you can just straight up climb on walls. You have triple jump. You have, like, a gliding thing. You have... You play uh, as Knuckles in this game? No. You climb on walls and you're gliding. Uh, yeah, you're playing as Knuckles. Not the Knuckles from Sonic, though. Knuckles from Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters. Yeah, what do you think I'm talking about, Sonic? <laughs> the fuck, man? <laughs> so... Um, but the thing about Ori, I'll say, is it doesn't really come together until you get the bash move, which is where you, like, jump, and then you can basically dash in any direction in the air off of either lanterns that are hanging there, or enemies, or enemy projectiles. And so once you get that, like, you're kind of airborne pretty much all the time, and it's really fun. Mm, and so that's... a good video game bash. <laughs> yeah. The Bash Brothers, that's what we're called Um, So Yeah So the main thing I always heard about this game Before I played it was people mad about The escape sequences That they were way too hard, there aren't any checkpoints or anything People are bad at video games Is the thing (laughs) (laughs) Like they're, they're not hard I, in There's each a statistics one, menu at the end of Ori and the Blind Forest, you see. I wish <laughs> there was. I'd like to see just how bad these people are at it. Because um, the first one, I didn't die at all. The, I think second and third. No, there there was another one I think I died once on. the. But they were always like, it was just weird trial and error things. Like, oh, okay, I guess I was supposed to know that the rock here was going to fall on me. Or something it, It's kind of just dumb garbage like that It's nothing mm. like challenging In terms of platforming Um, And those like were kind of the best Sequences in the game I thought Especially the first one with water is really good Um, And I had a very dumb moment later on uh, During an escape from the owl Which I had figured out the things that apparently stumped everybody else, but I got to the end and was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. Because, like, I can't get across this thing without the owl killing me. And then I went and looked at a YouTube thing. It was like, oh, right, I can press down and jump to go through platforms. Because <laughs> you almost <laughs> never have to do that at that point. Like, that does not come up, like, past the beginning of the game. Jeez. Uh, but that made me feel real dumb But God. at least I, I had figured out the harder part Before that so Whatever You know people are real bad at video games <laughs> Well the thing they is don't that, know you that, can go through platforms. that platform also does not look like one you can go through mm. To me um, Yeah But whatever uh, Hey I'm good at jumping yeah, I, I can take that to the bank it's where it counts, man Yeah, jump power uh, yeah. So then I start up Will of the Wisps I haven't finished that one yet But I will say it is extremely good And I highly recommend it I believe this is a lot longer than the first one um, There's a big frog man I like a lot That's that's my I like tip. good video game frog Yeah, and so in this one also Clearly they played Hollow Knight because there's a whole lot of stuff in here mm. that is taken directly from it. Like, you have melee combat now. They got rid of the stupid homing attack stuff. Um, instead of having just kind of upgrading... Th- this one is more of a 
quote, Metroidvania, I suppose, because you do have abilities you equip, sort of like uh, Order of Ecclesia or something like that. Um, and it has basically the exact same charm system from Hollow Knight, except they call them spirit shards. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really good. There's a cool monkey man who treats you moves, teaches you moves, uh, treats you moves. I, uh, well, I mean, I mean he's kind of treating you to some moves. That's right. He's a Rafiki-esque yeah, character. There's a yeah. neat, there's a nice little bug man who s- sells you maps. It's neat. Ooh. What kind of bug? Uh, I don't know. He got, he's just like generic bug. He doesn't really look like any real bug. Oh. You were asking me this the other day when I found a small spider that was missing two of its legs. At what point does an arachnid become an insect? Like how many legs need to get taken off? <laughs> yeah. So well, I that's think, the answer. I, I mean, well, an insect would have six legs, so that spider is missing two legs, so technically that spider is not an arachnid, it is an insect. That's right. Anyway, I threw him outside. Uh, it's on now. Fittest, man. Let, let him figure it out. Yeah, that's right. Pull himself up by his bootstraps, all six of them. So that's, uh, I played that's games that... My, uh, my video games. Yeah, what you I got? I played video games that, that don't got no jumping at all. How about what? that? That's right. So you There's didn't not a play The Last of Us 2. That, yep, none of these games were immersive. I did not feel like I was actually the character in the game. I did not become them, one with their own mind. Uh, not not as emotional dogs. as The Last of Us Part 2. Um, I played a couple of... Uh, I played an old RPG and, in air quotes, old RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we might as well talk about the air quotes old RPG first. Pure Solar and the Great Architects. Uh, this What's is, so great uh, about them? Well, not much, because uh, this game's pretty mediocre, like, <laughs> at best. Okay. Um, Should have been called a mediocre architects, am I right? Wah, huh? wah. Huh? Huh? Need to buy a slide whistle for this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... This is well known as uh, being a very, very late release for the Sega Genesis. It started out as a fan project based on people on a, a forum, and then it kind of evolved into its own its own thing. So in big, sprawling JRPG uh, in vain of a Lunar. Uh, lunar. It is Lunar. In Lunar 2, whenever they say it, they pronounce it Lunar, specifically. Because it, is the name of, it, because it is the name of the location. Okay, sure. <laughs> I was I was fucking right about this. Like, I don't think they say it in the first game, but in the second one, they definitely do, and that is how they pronounce it. So dumb. It's it's a JRPG. All of it's fucking dumb, Larry. It's all sure. stupid. Video yeah. games are dumb. I'm make, dumb. You're dumb. We're all dumb here. They make jokes about Bill Clinton in it, from what I've seen. I really wish that I had that game done in time for this like JRPG segment, but I don't. I'm like only halfway through, but we'll we'll get to that thing. Um, I partly wish I got to it because I think that game is very good uh, compared to Pure Solar and the other mystery game that we'll talk about that is almost certainly spoiled in the title of this episode of the podcast. Um, but they uh, the thing with this is they actually released it on a Genesis cart. You can play this on real hardware is a 64 uh, mega cart 
like it's it's fucking big. It is technically the biggest game on the Sega Genesis. Uh, there's some weird stuff with that cart. Like when you start it up, it says it has to initialize, which is bizarre. What uh, uh, what only... megabit was um Strider? Like sixteen. Oh. Yeah, I'm not sure. Could you look that up for me? Because I'm very yeah. curious. Yeah, I will. Go on. But uh, yeah, so sex sixty-four megabit cart, and and part of this is that, and I was trying to look this up before the podcast exactly how the mechanics of this work, and I couldn't quite figure it out. I I don't remember if there was actual CD you put in the Sega CD tray, or if this was actually all done through the cartridge, so long as you had the Genesis hooked up to a Sega CD. But there is a way to get CD quality music into this Genesis game, uh, so long as the Sega CD is attached. Um. Which, as far as like emulation goes, apparently there's ways to do that, but it requires specific plugins for specific emulators. I, like, in fact, the only one I saw was for the. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the on the name of it. Those um, the the analog uh, console that they had put out for the Genesis. What is it called? Uh, the analog. You know how like the analog uh, SD Mini, like the. the Oh, I don't what do know. Call them. I didn't pay attention. You know what I'm talking about, though. Where, where they're like, you can you buy these things, and you can put the actual cards inside. Yeah, of it. yeah. Like it's supposed and to be as accurate. Ridiculously as they expensive. Stupidly expensive. But apparently, like to be able to do that, you could do that on their Genesis. But like, it requires a specific firmware update. So like, <laughs> it's something that like, it's weirdly technical. They were kind of getting something very bizarre out of this 64 megabit cart that like emulators can't really wrap their brains around i guess but by the way uh strider was it proclaims on the cover eight mega memory <gasps> the back i really says, like i really like them advertising the megabits on the cards as mega power yeah. back in the day that stuff was pretty good well they have to justify the inflated price point also, yeah, it, yeah. In the back says, "Can you survive eight mega of incredible danger?" <laughs> Screech oh, to Jesus, a halt eight mega face, units in the face of giant metal monkeys and centipedes. Feel your biceps <laughs> burst as you grapple with snarling muscle men. Cling to battleship bulkheads. Leap from Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's Strider. This isn't the real. master awaits. <laughs> No, you're reading like this is a goof up that somebody made. None of that's real. Strider is a licensed trademark of Capcom Inc. That <laughs> says, can you survive eight? Or, here's the whole thing. Strider, 16-bit uh. cartridge. Take on all the explosive action of the arcade hit. Your Strider, a crunch, a crunching hulk of muscle with a <laughs> grappling hook and laser sword. <laughs> By the way, on the cover, he does not have a laser sword. I'm pretty sure he doesn't in the game either. It's just like a, an effect of him swinging it. Uh, I thought it was a sword. That's the way that I always read it, was that it was a sword that he was attacking with. Yeah, but this says laser sword. Yeah, I thought it was a laser sword. No, I don't think so. You're in a future, right. la you're in a future land of backward time, and its evil master is taunting you with defeat. Can you survive 8 mega of incredible danger? Hang glide into the citadel, then clang your hook into metal to stiff arm up to safety. Stay alive by slashing armies, winged robots, and prehistoric monsters into shuddering heaps. 
battle alluring Amazones who sling vicious boomerangs and drum out a war chant to turn your mind manic. Slide, duck, and cartwheel past lasers, spikes, and bombs. And then the other stuff I mentioned Screech Hall All this and giant metal makes, monkeys. This all makes Strider sound so much more awesome than it actually is because that yeah. game kind of sucks. Yeah. Like Strider's actually pretty fucking bad. Strider too, though. Pretty good. Also, uh, no. New Strider. Pretty good. Cause they made that one into a Pathfinder for I some did, reason. So I don't know which one. I don't know which. Okay, because I was gonna say because like the thing that always throws me off is the actual like second Strider is called Journey into Darkness Strider. Mm, Strider Two was a PS One game. Yes, see, that's what fucks me up Because there is a second Strider that follows the first one But it's not called Strider 2 It's like just Journey into Darkness Strider um, You sure I'm not thinking of uh, yeah, Journey from Darkness Strider Returns? Journey from Darkness Yes, 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 yeah What is this? Which is, I, I've never seen this before, I don't think It's Strider 2, it's Strider 2 That's all it is, it's a second Strider game That's modeled after the first one and then Weird. on the PlayStation, they just put out another Strider, and then they called that Strider 2, which makes no fucking sense, because it's Strider 3. Ah! Okay. This messed me up for, like, so long, because I was trying to figure out, like, where the fuck is Strider 2 on my Raspberry Pi, and then I eventually found it under that title. I was like, wait, what the fuck? So here's why. It's just bouncing around in the S's going, like, do I not add the ROM or something? And then I was looking for the ROM, and I couldn't find the ROM because it was just PlayStation stuff, and I was like, wait, that's not fucked right. There's a second Strider on the Genesis. So here's why, though. Because this Strider 2 was made by Teartex, uh, not Capcom. And so mm. Capcom made the PlayStation one, and we're just like, yeah, we're we're calling our Strider two. Yours doesn't count. So this is a this uh, is a Snake's Revenge situation. Snake's Revenge, yeah, I was about to say. Okay, that makes sense, but also was very confusing to me when I was trying to actually sit down and play it, and then also very frustrating when I sat down and played it, and it was very bad. So I just went through all this trouble to play a bad game. Uh, yeah, what I'm seeing here looks markedly worse than original Strider, which is interesting. Uh huh. I'd have to check my notes, but I want to say that I liked it less than the original one, and I, mean, I fucking hate the original one. Th so this one looks like it great. was originally meant as like an Amiga and ZX Spectrum game that then got ported. Okay. So that also. I thought you were going to say lot. this. This one looks like it was originally meant as a joke, a parody of the original <laughs> Strider. Uh, well, the box art for Strider Two is pretty good. Uh, it has a guy with a gun yeah. on it Which I don't remember having a Whoa. gun on Strider uh, It says no limits No mercy No surrender oh, shit. 16 mega That's right It's doubling it this time Anyway uh, speaking of mega 64 mega It's a big cart A lot of game A whole a whole 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 lot of game uh, In pure solar Too much Video game and pure solar. Okay, do um, they pronounce it in game as solar instead of solar? I have always heard it pronounced as pure solar. Well, uh, whenever watching videos and, and such. Also, here's my argument for that. I'm going to make my case. Considering this is very, very, very heavily based on Lunar, that's why I, I would was think asking. that they would then also, yes, like copy the, the weird naming convention behind that. Um, because of course, Lunar Solar. Um, uh, 
but like the humor in the game like kind of approaches like uh lunar levels of of just being fucking goofy like it's not as referential as lunar is but it has the same sort of um it it feels like working designs people could have had their hands on this thing like it seems believable enough that like a writer or two maybe ended up on the project which is not the case but like some of the stuff you... you've shown me from lunar looks like uh the head writer was uh, someone on the Jay Leno staff who would write his monologues. <laughs> like, you'd go into a town and just be like, hey, look at this Judge Ito, huh? What about that? There was a, uh, hold on, I think I can pull it up in here. Oh, no, I'd need to. Um... It's good radio. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, just cut this bit out. I really need to find this thing, actually. Nope, I'm not going to. <laughs> no, Larry. Not too bad. Like you had a chance to abandon it, and you were like, "Nope, I'm just gonna keep on plugging away." No, at this. I'm doubling down. I would no, also, I uh, by I the way, a good pal, Authoritimi, yeah. uh purchased Legend of the Ten Elemental Masters because oh, of Jesus. us. Just letting you know, he's so, gone too deep. I look forward to his in-depth book review when he's finished with it. Uh, how many pages do you think he's going to make it in before he just gives up on that thing? Uh, 20. Uh, email your book review to Larry at destroyallchildren.com and we'll read it on the air whenever you get that done. Oh, or you can be a guest uh, on, I don't know. Who cares? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, the bit that I was looking for is you come to a dilapidated uh, mansion at a point in Lunar and your companion says, where's Bob Avila when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> Worth it. Yeah, that whole sidetrack. Yeah, no, you look. You mentioned this seems like it was written by like Jay Leno writers. That's the first fucking thing I thought of was like, huh, yeah, the Bob so, Vila bit is extremely Jay Leno. Also, my mind is poisoned enough by wrestling that every time now I hear the word dilapidated, I think of the bit with I think it's Jeff Hardy yelling, "It's a dilapidated boat." Uh, so. did you see uh, Undertaker is retiring again? Sure, why not? No, I do not. I can't wait for the Undertaker to come back. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. he's uh, retiring again. So yeah, well, we'll see. Good, he should. Um, He should have retired at third WrestleMania thirty. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, here's Solar. Similar to Lunar, the the way that the battle system kind of works is you have different positions that you can put the character in. So if you want somebody in the back row, they're going to take less damage, but they're going to deal less damage. And then your front row, obviously, is the inverse of that. But the thing that actually makes Pure Solar's combat very frustrating to me is battles become more about how quickly can I end this and less about... Like, resource management becomes a fucking problem because the battles are very, very, very difficult for probably about half the game. Like, you need to take everybody out quickly, which means you need to use all your special attacks. Like, you can't conserve MP, really. You need to use stuff or your party can get wiped very, very quickly in random battles. Uh, But then it also just becomes kind of like, okay, this is this combination of enemies, so I just need to do this combination of attacks. Like, it doesn't really challenge you beyond just finding the best combo for the the certain enemy setup that it confronts you with. So by the time you're at the end of a dungeon, which takes fucking forever, they're all interminable, like, you're still just mashing out the same attacks. You just know which ones to do. You're like, ah, there's five of these turtle guys here, so I need to do this, this, and this, and this. I can't do anything other than that because I will lose. 
Um, but then, like, halfway through the game, like I said, this ends up flipping, and then it becomes way too easy, and you could just mash the attack button on everything. So it never feels like it quite finds its balance uh, at any point in the game. It's either too hard for the first half of it, and it's too easy for the second half of it. That's cool. No, it blows. I'm not a fan of it. Um, there's also, like, a lot of the dungeons, like I, like I said, they're they're too long first of all but there's a lot of like some of the puzzles you need to solve like say you need a key to open up a door to get into the final part of the dungeon what if you just put the key behind like some level geometry so you couldn't fucking see it at all so it was like in pokemon where you just run around hitting the a button on everything to find an item but it's like a key item so you need it to progress actually so it's more like uh an early 3d fps level like Duke Nukem 3D, where it's like you have to clip through yeah. the poster on this one wall to get to the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, not fucking fun to do that no. in a JRPG. Like, it's not fun to do it in a shooter. But but specifically in a JRPG like uh, Pure Solar, where, again, you have these very difficult battles, you can get party wiped very, very, very easily. The more time you're spending just walking around trying to just fuss about and find this fucking key, the more likely you are to get into a battle, drain your resources, and put yourself into a worse position, potentially game over, and have to go all the way back and do everything over again. Sure. Like, in a shooter, it, like resource management in Duke Nukem 3D is not as rough as Pure Solar, I'm going mm. to assume. I don't know. I'm going to assume. At least in that, Maybe I'm once you kill that. all the enemies, they stay dead. Yeah, that... Yeah. At least when you're running around going, where is it? It's not, uh, you're not risking a random encounter. I don't know Um, what he's doing. So, I ended up, like, at first I referred to a guy just here and there. I'd get stuck on something and I'd be like, I don't want to waste time. I just want to look up what I'm supposed to do next. Eventually, it just became I'd use the guide all the time because so much of the game is obtuse like that. I really don't know how you're supposed to beat that game without kind of, like, being told where certain things are. Uh, yeah. The design of it is just miserable. It's miserable. Um, I think that the game's strongest suit is probably its visual design. It's very appealing. It's got a fairly unique look to it that is still faithful to the source material that it is trying to emulate, but also really milking the size of that cartridge like the graphics are are pretty impressive for a sega genesis game um the the writing is fine it is serviceable <laughs> like like i said it is uh it doesn't take itself too seriously for much of the game uh by the end of the game it gets really dark like incredibly dark to the point that like i I wonder if somebody broke up with the main writer around this time or something, like if he started going through some shit. Because it takes a really abrupt turn. Uh, spoilers for Pure Solar, this game that released, like, I don't know, eight to ten years ago uh, for the Genesis. Um, much of the game is trying to stop the creation of a, uh, a, a device called the Pure Solar that basically can alter reality. You, if you get into the pure solar, you can rewrite history, you can rewrite the laws of physics, you can do whatever you want, you are as if a god. It's the Infinity uh, Gauntlet. Basically, yeah. Uh, so by the end of the game, you 
you kill everybody, but you realize that the cost of life has been too high. The cost of your own soul has been too high. You have lost your friends. You have lost your family. You have done a lot of murders to get where you are. You don't like what you have become, and you don't like what has become of the world. So you decide you're going to step into the pure solar, and you're going to rewrite everything. You're going to rewrite history so far back that nobody even conceives of the pure solar. And then everybody will be happy, but this will be a future without you. Because you're the one that's got to do it. Sure. Except then at the very end of the game, your dead dad shows up and it's just like, you know, you could have used the pure solar to do all that, but then still make sure that you were born. Like, you could have done that, dude. Why didn't you do that? So and the guy's is... just like, because I didn't want to. Also, you're not my dad. You're just a hallucination. And then the game fucking ends. <laughs> it's like the end of Conker's <laughs> Bad Fur Day. Yeah, it just cuts to credits after that. I sat through all the credits, which has like a million different like Patreon, uh, basically special thanks things. Like that credits sequence goes on for probably half an hour. And I was just sitting there thinking like, there's a post credits to this, right? Like this isn't how the game is going to end. That's how the game ends. Right. Yeah. It's like, did you know there was um a new uh, a DC animated movie? came out uh apocalypse war mm. which is like the end of sort of this phase i guess or whatever of dc animated movies which have been going since like the new 52 so the characters still have those designs in a lot of cases and it's probably why they wanted to end it uh, and that whole thing just ends with everybody getting wiped out and like flash nice. resetting the continuity so like it's it's just like end of rogue one style of like the characters standing there as like a giant energy wave comes towards them and annihilates them. Seems pretty good. Like, I do genuinely enjoy stuff like that. Like, with Pure Solar, I think actually having it be kind of a lighthearted fantasy adventure up to this point where your character gets confronted with the fact that, like, hey, you know, you're just as bad as the villain because you've had to murder a lot of people to get to this point. And then them also just kind of coping with the loss of their father and, and all these other people. Like, that stuff is really interesting, and I like it a lot. It's specifically the bit at the end where you meet your dead dad, who's not actually your dead dad. It's just a depression fantasy who tells you that it didn't have to be this way, and you're like, I'm going to make it this way arbitrarily, no reason, whatever. Credits. Like, that just... There's something very nihilistic about all that that doesn't set well with me. Yeah. Like, Sounds like a it has too, a bit like of, the... like, um, Cerebus syndrome, you know, where it's just like... Well, we started this as like a wacky fantasy thing, and then Dave Sim decided he didn't like women, and so he decided to make it all about that. Dave Sim gets into the pure solar and he just erases women from existence. Bet he would. The all-gay future. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Um, yeah, about damn time. Um... Yeah, there's there's specifically a bit in like the end montage too, where like your it shows like oh your father is alive again and he's happy and he's like hitting on your mom, but your mom has remarried, she has a new husband, and doesn't know your dad anymore, and so her husband sees him hitting on her and then chases him off and is like, dude, what the fuck? You made this future? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh god, it's 
just you see all your friends and it, it just gives you the sense of like they're better off without you it's it's such a fucking bleak ending man congratulations it's... congratulations <laughs> congratulations <laughs> on beating the game yeah yeah the penguin just he goes bark bark what? uh it's you know what that's not the only JRPG game that I that I played though that had really uh, a cheerful opening and a fucking bummer of an ending. All right, time to talk about Earthbound. Finally, this is a video game that people like a whole lot, and I'm going to say things about it that people are not going to like because I do not think Earthbound is very good. And you can shut off the podcast now. No, don't do that. Larry's Larry's with me though. Larry also thinks Earthbound's not very good. Uh, from what I've played of it, that's true. I like pretty much everything about Earthbound except actually playing it, which has prevented me from getting very far into it. Yeah. I like its whole vibe. Accurate. I like its characters. I like the look of it. Uh-huh. I like the whole idea of, like, you're just some kid fighting aliens. And then at the end, it gets real weird. Uh, but yeah. also... I like Gigas. Gigas. Sure, Gigas. Porky. Um, I like the Mr. Saturns. That's right. I like Everyone the, the whole Mr. visual Saturn. design of that game is is fantastic. The music in that game is superb. Uh-huh. Uh, the humor in it is is amazing. Like I, I wonder how much of it because that's definitely one of those things where it's like, all right, the localization needs to make this like palatable for American audiences. Like you can't just pull over all these references that the Japanese version makes. So it kind of wonder how much of the uh, the wit in the writing is the localization and how much of it is Etoy himself. Um, but either way, it's very good. I like Etoy's vision for these games, uh, all three of them. Fucking sucks actually sitting down and playing it though. Holy crap! Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the battles. I've tried probably tried. three or four times to play it, and I don't know that I got out of like the first area any time because it was just like yeah, this. These random encounters are so bad. Yeah, they're they're really dry and just kind of bland. Like, I don't, I don't know that I really use special attacks a whole lot. By the end of the game, it was another one of those RPGs where it's like suddenly your basic attack ends up becoming your best move, so you just mash on that a whole lot and just heal up. Otherwise, oh, that's cool. Um, oh yeah, no, it's great. I love it when video games do that. Um, that's the thing that frustrates the hell out of me about JRPGs is there's a lot of them that end up just becoming that, and then I think back to like. Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne and how fucking good that battle system is and how it always makes you try to approach every situation uniquely. Yeah. Like you don't fall into a pattern every single time. It's not just this enemy, I gotta do this and this and this and this in this order. It is not just, oh, smash the attack button over and over again. You like you've got a buff, you got a debuff, you got to plan around what the enemy does on mm-hmm. any given turn. Like Well, that's the thing. Like those games in, are great. In Nocturne, you can get away with that for a little bit. And then the matador shows up, and he's like, "The real game starts now." Yeah. Hey, fucker! You haven't been paying attention to elemental weaknesses, haven't you? You haven't been using buffs or debuffs. Uh, let me teach you how good the speed buff is in this game, you fucking punk, you stupid son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like. It, it... I think about how good the Mega Ten games are, and then how like pretty much every other JRPG I plays becomes very boring at a certain point, and because their JRPGs are long as shit. Yep. So it's just very easy to fall off of them, like so many hours in. See, uh, now, now you're understanding force... my position. 
Yeah, no, I've, I've always understood your position that the part where it became a little weird to me was specifically taking some time to get through stuff like Persona because those still pretty much use the same battle system as a Nocturne, uh, which I think is very good. Um, yeah. But, you know, I had, to, I had to force myself to finish Pier Solar. Like, th that definitely became a point where I was just like, oh, I need to put this many hours into Pier Solar today so I can be done with it. So I can just get done with this thing. Um which is such a bummer too, because like when I first heard about Pure Solar when it was coming out, like it was just so wild to me that they that somebody would go through all the trouble of making this big grand RPG that needs a 64 meg cart, and then actually put it out on a cart, let it play on hardware. Like they try to be that authentic to the Genesis experience. I was like, oh man, that sounds great! Like I want to play that, and then I played it, and it depressed me. It made me sad. Genesis, no fun to play The Genesis Experience is my Phil Collins tribute band By the way <laughs> Thank you for the shout out You know I guess it actually was a good Genesis uh, JRPG experience Because there was no good JRPGs on the Sega Genesis So Fantasy Star Nope How dare you Go to hell <laughs> Um, We're gonna get hate mail for this one <laughs> Earthbound, though, like, I actually didn't kind of feel that same strain. Like, it was still pretty easy for me to see that game through to the very end because it just is oozing with so much charm otherwise. Like, the, the narrative in that game is, is so fucking good. The writing is so fucking good that everything that I find bland and boring about the battle system is kind of easy to just, like, push aside. Just, like, whatever. Just bite the bullet, get through that stuff because there's good 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 content waiting around the corner at all times um yeah like he, even just the, some of the bits too where you just kind of need to figure out where to go next are not particularly great in earthbound the way that it also structures uh buying items and saving and using the hospital to cure yourself like a lot of that just feels very time wasty and inconvenient uh, like, you need to go see one particular type of doctor to cure you of a certain thing, and then you need to go see somebody else to cure you of other things. Like, what? I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, it's like one doctor will heal your party. Or no, you go to a hotel to heal your party. You go to the doctor to heal status ailments. One doctor tells the truth. One doctor lies. <laughs> Solve right. this riddle <laughs> to, to <laughs> defeat Earthbound. That's how you defeat Yagus. Um... Yeah, no, so if you go to a hotel and you rest, then you'll you'll heal up, but you won't take care of status ailments, if I remember correctly. So you have to go to the doctor to take care of the status ailments, which, fine, I, like, I get it, like, I kind of get what they're going for with that, but also it means I have to very slowly walk from the doctor's office over to the hotel, or from the hotel to the doctor's office, and that ain't, that ain't fun. That's right, well. Like, after a while, that becomes very boring and kind of bad, and I don't like it. On the bright side, um, though, when you're going to the hotel, you can just uh, imagine the Pitbull song playing as you go there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You follow a prostitute into a hotel at one point, just like the Pitbull song. <laughs> oh, great! Forget yeah. about your boyfriend. Meet me in the hotel room. Yeah. Meet me in the hotel room. Um. So you get captured uh, by a zombie. Holiday Inn. And that song yeah. that has big DK rap energy in it. <laughs> <laughs> Peanuts, oh, are you calling coconut shell. Uh, yes. Pitbull showing up for a concert completely naked except for a red tie. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past him. He's done a lot of weird stuff. Oh, no. 
Donkey Kong, Mr. Worldwide himself. God, um, it, it is exactly LA. the same. The Hotel, Motel, Holiday Inn, Peanuts, yeah. Coconuts, Walnut. Pineapple Smells, yeah. whatever. Yeah. All right. Straight sure. melons, oranges, and coconuts shells. Sure. I know Pineapple Smells is in there somewhere. Yes, it's, it's Pineapple Smells and then Coconut Shells. Okay. Which you always messed me up because I would think that it would... Yeah, you think coconut shells would go first. Yes, yeah. Anyway, uh, Earthbound. Like, you also have the whole ATM system in that too, where your father... (laughs) Oh, no! He shoots you, it's Uh, gonna hurt. uh, I told Pitbull not to aim at my eyes, but he did it anyway. Well, I should have been wearing goggles. That's your fault. Yeah, I should have. Use the the right PPE. Larry, should I spend uh, $36 on a pair of Squirtle Squad sunglasses? Squirrel Squad? They make Squirtle Squad sunglasses. Oh, I found Squirtle them on Amazon. Squad. They're uh, like, they're, no. yeah, they're like 36 bucks. I kind of no. want them. I kind of want them. <laughs> well, I kind of do too, much too money. now, but also no. They, what have I told you for the same price? They got the uh, Tentapagur and Login glasses as well. I mean, they're, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, they're more pointy though. The, the Squirtle Squad ones are, are they have rounded edges, whereas the uh, Gurren Lagann ones are pointed. Oh, I remember, hmm, I remember that, the Squirtle ones as being well, pointy. They're supposed to be pointy. The person who makes makes them made them rounded, but I mean they still got the Gurren Lagann ones, so uh, it's, depends on which okay. one you want. I guess they're basically the same thing, but yeah. Um, Anyway, whatever. There's an ATM system in this thing that I also don't like uh, because you Hold have on, to what's keep ATM drawing. stand for? Active time management. Um, oh, okay. No. Um, I was concerned. There's your, your dad sends you money throughout the course of the game, so rather than earning money from random battles, you need to go back to a convenience store and pull all, all of your money out of an ATM before you're able to spend it, which just oh. seems like an unnecessary extra step to me. Well, you know what? That mm. reminds me of a little game called Yakuza 5. Oh, where <laughs> when uh, you're at the game <laughs> as you're getting money as Kiryu, you can send it back to the orphanage using ATMs at convenience stores. So then the kids will get the money as their allowance, and they'll send you messages saying, like, thanks, Daddy Kiryu, we got the balloons oh. or whatever. I don't know. It's very nice. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this game doesn't like, do that. You this one kid has a birthday out. coming up. I We need money to get him a birthday present. So you'll be like, okay, here's some money that I got from beating up 20 people on the street and slamming their face into a bicycle. And they're like, thanks, you're the best. And I'm like, I Use know. Use this to buy new shoes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, buy him a fresh tuna from the market. Get him a comb. Yeah. Uh, a new yeah, Rolex. Like, I, I get what all this stuff is supposed to do. I get that this is part of the charm of the game. That, you know, it's it's quaint and quirky and fun that you get your money from an ATM system. Uh, that your dad sends it to you. That you save your game by talking to your old man. You know. Oh, I'm sick, so I gotta go to the doctor. Or, oh, I'm alone HP, I'm tired, I gotta go to a hotel. Like, I get it. But then mechanically, it only slows the game down. Like, it just makes things really start to drag. So when you get to the typical thing of, I beat a dungeon, and now I gotta do the JRPG thing of checking on getting new items, and I need to heal up, and I need to take care of this and take care of that before I move ahead, it just ends up taking way more time than it needs to. 
and the charm of that wears off very quickly. Um, and I guess like that's that's sort of my issue with Earthbound is even all the stuff that it does mechanically is meant to kind of feed back into the game's overall charm and appeal, but a lot of that stuff just ends up becoming very dry and very bland because for as much as they try to play into the tone and, and the mood of that game, it, it doesn't really work out well from a gameplay perspective. Okay. Just, uh, you get a bike at one point, this is actually one of the bits I like because the bike moves very fast and suddenly you're like, oh, I got a run button in this game. I can move around really quickly. I don't got to like walk all over the place moving at a snail's pace. Uh, but then it says like you can only use it while Ness is your only party member. So you immediately pick up a party <laughs> member right after the, like 20 minutes later, you end up getting a party member. It's like, can't use the bike now. What? It's okay. A, it's so fucking good. But that is the one good bit where I'm just like, all right, this like inconveniencing me this way is actually pretty funny. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, just remove this one mechanic that actually would have made a lot of the rest of the game bearable as a goof. Um, but again, but like that is that is generally the kind of tone that they're coming out with a lot of that stuff. Like it, it feels like the ATM thing is inconvenient, but we're doing it as a goof. Going to the hospital is inconvenient, but you know, it's, it's a goof. It's a goofy game. You gotta make it weird. Sure. Uh, and I wonder how much of that stuff they they fixed for Mother Three. I I really don't know. I it's don't on the know. Game Boy Advance, and I bet it sounds like shit. So I will never play it. <sighs> Whatever. I have heard that Mother Three is way more depressing than Earth. Yeah. Is. I know that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I, I don't really know anything about it. Have you seen I know that, the... that game that somebody's making that's like, th- this technically isn't a mother game, but it totally is. Undertale. No. Delta no. Rune. No, it's one that isn't out yet. I don't know what okay. it's called, but the character designs are definitely meant to look like the mother games. It's just so. Earth now. Yeah, I, I know a bit about Mother 3, and I know that the plot of that thing is definitely more, uh, I mean, more in air quotes, self-serious. Like, it's more so than Earthbound, but it still seems, you know, pretty goofy. Um, you know, like, in the way the Saiyan saga is still pretty goofy. Yeah. There's no Red Ribbon Army saga. No. Yeah, Jirobi yeah. shows up, cuts Vegeta's tail off. yeah. Talks about how he wished he would have ate more egg rolls or donuts, depending on what one of the dozens of dubs you are watching. Yeah, it's like Phoenix uh, Wright style. Like we're in America. Yeah. yeah. Well, we got these uh these rice balls, but we're gonna call them jelly donuts, I guess. Whatever. Kids don't understand. They don't <laughs> just, know what rice is. There just happen to be a lot of Japanese shrines around here because of tourists. Yeah. Tourists in America love Japanese shrines, so they're just popping up all over the country. That's right, um, there are all these families of, like, Shinto <laughs> shrine maidens or whatever. That's right. Uh, yeah, like... I, I wish we talked about Earthbound sooner, because I, I know that, like, as soon as I was done playing the game, I had, like, all my thoughts on the on the mechanics of it very well articulated, and they've all kind of, like, 
dropped away as I've saturated my brain with a million other hey, JRPGs. You know that's which funny is because I remember somebody I, I don't know who it was that said this, but somebody said it would be really funny if we just keep teasing Earthbound <laughs> and then never actually talk about it. And I well, said, and part oh, of that, I guess, part of that was also because we kept having legitimate reasons that prevented us from being able to talk about it. Other shit kind of kept coming up. It also, would not take um, long to talk about it, as no. just evidenced. Uh, yeah. I had more to say back when I had just finished it, but uh, suffice it to say, like I still know how I feel about the game. I know that I just I do not like actually sitting down and playing it. I don't think it's very good mechanically, but I think that the story, the the aesthetics of it, the music, everything about how that game looks, its attitude is very good. I would just uh, like to say, so uh, a, go play Lisa if you're looking for something like that. Lisa's yeah. a good game. Yes. Look, I would even suggest playing Undertale. I understand yeah. that, yeah. like, the fandom of Undertale is fucking bad. Oh, it's yeah. It's probably soured a lot of people on that game, but, like, that game's actually pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it, uh, fans of it are really, really awful. bad. Yeah. But, like, the... I really appreciate like Undertale for like what it does, like the amount of the weird gameplay loops that you could do with that thing, the different kind of runs you can do and how substantially it changes the game is fucking fascinating to me. Cuz it's only like a 2-3 hour long RPG, but then when you consider that you're supposed to replay it over and over and over again with the game changing each time, that starts to make sense why it's so short. And that also makes it more approachable uh as well. Um and like the, the the humor and the, the visual design, like the the battle mechanics in that game are all fantastic. It's great. It's a real shame about that fan base because I think it's probably keeping a lot of people away from what is otherwise a really good game. Put Sans in Smash. How about no? Put the put, fucking arms lady in put Smash. Sans in Smash. Put Papyrus in Smash. Put Flowey in Smash. Put. Put on um, and Smash. Do it. Yeah. Put the weird lizard boy that don't got no arms in Smash, whose names I don't I don't remember his name. Put the sign that says something about dogs I forget in Smash. Was it like dogs can't read or something like that? Uh, probably. Put uh, put one of the Timmies in Smash. There you go. That's a assist trophy. A Thor Timmy. Uh huh. That's right. Yeah, right, Thor Timmy runs the shop. <laughs> Uh, that's something i can broken get english yeah okay uh well look this is a great podcast where i say that earthbound's not a fun game but you should go play undertale <laughs> never thought it would come to this i'm, I'm 16 years old apparently <laughs> i'm going to make a fan cam of undertale It's true that, like, actually, I think that as far as, like, if you were to kind of compare the narratives of those two games and the humor of those two games, like, Earthbound, for me, comes out on top of Undertale, like, easily. But that's not to say Undertale's as bad, necessarily. I just, I really, really like what Earthbound is going for. It's just entirely, like, as far as playing them, like, man, I'd, I'd rather play Undertale. Yeah. Um... But yeah, like, like similar to Pure Solar, the ending of that game is a uh, fucking wild. Like uh, suddenly yeah, you're going into this knows weird. That though, like that's like yeah. the most famous thing about it, really. <laughs> yes. Um. God, man, that that game takes a real sharp turn at the end, and yeah. I am also way into it because it also is like a sharp turn 
that isn't like unnecessarily bleak in the same way that pure solar is it kind of feels like earthbound was building to that point the whole time mm -hmm. uh, even also, if it feels abrupt in the moment it, it is kind of too bad that everybody knows about it though because yeah. that would be a good surprise like i feel like people don't really know about the bizarre turn kirby's dreamland 3 takes at the end oh no which is also yeah. very similar yeah, uh, let's make this eyeball bleed a whole lot yep just cut holes in this uh, eyeball and like all right sure go ahead kirby i guess kirby's a motherfucker man yeah but, so there's a post going around on Twitter now that's like got a picture of Ellie from The Last of Us 2 and it's like name someone who's been through more pain than her. Go ahead, I'll wait. And uh one was just every person Kirby ate. Or um <laughs> like a picture of Solid Snake from MGS4 saluting at the end. Uh Aww. and I posted a uh, Sejima from Yakuza who nobody appreciates the sacrifices Taiga Sejima went through, but I do. Yeah. Austin from Pure Solar, who fucking literally nuked himself out of existence. Sure. Because he was very, very, very sad. Luigi. Just everything yeah, about Luigi. A, yeah, no, he's always second fiddle. Never yeah. number one, never the hero. Even when he's the hero, he's a fucking coward. Yep. Even when he's the hero, it's played up for laughs because it's like, haha, Luigi can't be the hero. This is, this is a real novelty. While Luigi, uh, maybe the saddest of them all, he's just grown in tanks. No, every because time he Luigi... dies, he just gets replaced by another one. Yeah, but also while Luigi's having a good time, I guess he's just he's goofing. Is he, it is up. he having a good time, or is he having a good time because he's genetically programmed to have a good time? Well, does it doesn't really matter. He's like a, he's the Vorta of the Mario universe. <laughs> he can't taste most foods. He, yeah. he has very limited vision. Somebody, somebody's just gonna peel off Waluigi's ears and he's gonna have those <laughs> fin things on the side of his head. He's completely servile to Wario, whom he views as a god. Oh, wait, okay, so, alright, so then is Luigi, or Waluigi a Vorta or is he a Jim Hadar? Because imagine if Waluigi well, no, the... like had a feed tube with drugs that are like, oh, going into He's it. constantly being... Oh my god, Waluigi with a tube of Ketracel white in him? Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. Exactly. And like, god, you know, both Wal are so good. I don't Waluigi's are sterile. Uh, they age very quickly and then die off. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I like it more that Waluigi eats a single slice of pepperoni and goes, ah... <laughs> Yeah, but isn't it also funny if Wario is the this. if Wario is the Vorta? Uh, but then like who would Wario be servile to? Who does Bowser. Wario serve? I don't know. <gasps> oh no. Oh no. I do like the canon explanation behind those two guys, which is just they're they're both a couple of dudes who love being evil. So they just yeah. gravitated towards each other naturally. Yeah, but I, uh, I do really insist that Waluigi is a failed attempt of Wario to clone himself. Yeah, because that, that, that is that fits yeah. Wario's mo to me that he is that vain that he would try to clone himself, and See, then it doesn't come out right. Like it's like major I, shake or something. <laughs> it's it's a little bit different for me. I want to believe that he tried to clone Luigi because him understanding that he is a, a basically a evil Mario, 
he wants to have an evil Luigi, not necessarily just to complete the pair, but also because he wants somebody he can talk down to. He wants somebody that is always looking up to him, who needs him for survival. Like he yeah. wants that power over someone. Yeah, so it's not I can a failed it. clone. It's, I can it's see it by that way design. Too. Yeah. He intentionally made Waluigi that way. That's what's fucked up about it. You're adding to the theory that he's a Jem'Hadar, because that's basically what they oh, are. Shit. Shit. Intentionally designed that way. Waluigi Plan- is a lizard. Cold blood pumps through his veins. Yeah. Planned Waluigi oh, obsolescence. <laughs> I don't know. I still like the Vorda idea because the Vorda are just dying all the time and get replaced. It's yeah. just we're on Waluigi 8 now. Well, yeah, but so do the, the last Waluigi accidentally ate rat poison. This <laughs> Waluigi was defective and tried to help Mario. But the thing is, though, Wario, he's not a founder. He wouldn't. He doesn't fit that role. No, but he is the kind of person who would find founder technology and appropriate it for his own perverse uses. I suppose. Well, while we like, if we really want to get into this, Wario is a fucking Ferengi, dude. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wario is cork with founder technology, trying to just print people to work <laughs> at his bar. He absolutely would. Uh, yeah. But he like, kind of like fucks it up a bit. He makes them like way too dumb. Like they're 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 all fucked up. Their faces are all mutated. I mean, when Mario talks, which he does way too much in the newer games, like one of the things he just says is "gold, gold, I love gold," and so yeah, oh, just replace I that missed. with latinum. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, to recap, Earthbound, eh, Dear Soul are bad. <laughs> Uh, Wario is a Ferengi, Waluigi is a Jim Hadar. Yep, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I should rate these games. Uh, Pure Solar is, well, obviously it's 64 mega, uh, but out of a potential 500 mega, uh, which makes it very bad, in fact. And uh, Earthbound, uh, it gets by on charm alone, so I would say it is uh, 5 mega out of 10 mega. Okay. Yeah. I think I feel. Eh, you know what? I'll give it 7 mega out of 10 mega because it's just that good on all the parts where you're not, you know, fighting or having to buy shit. That seems high to me. Eh, okay. You know what? <laughs> Want to save myself the grief of people getting real mad at me for not liking Earthbound. Uh, and also kind of botching explaining why i don't like it that much because it's it's been a while i should maybe play earthbound again <laughs> just so i can remember what it's like to feel pain no so i know i'm still alive let's hold my hand over the stove terrible idea okay well so i've been watching um taskmaster here it comes here Man, comes the joke master they made a Taskmaster show? Yep. What? <laughs> so no, it is not about the guy with the skull mask and pirate boots, unfortunately. But then why are you watching it? <laughs> so I told you that when I told you the name of it, you would have the same thought that I did. Um, but no, it's a British panel show uh, where... This is as far as you can get from the Taskmaster that, that I know as possible. Yeah. 
Um, but also does not surprise me that you would watch it because you are way into British panel shows. That's true, and actually the weird thing is that I have not seen this before. It just showed up in my YouTube recommendations. I was like, oh, I see Rama Shranganathan in this, so I'm going to watch it. And very, very good. Very funny. It's, um... Mm. So, you know Alex Horn from Alex Horn and the Horn section. Uh, yeah, famously, I love the Horn section. Yeah, famously of the season song, uh, which I've used on this in the past uh so he is the creator of the show but is like the sidekick of the taskmaster himself greg davies but they have a panel of five comedians and they have over a series of months been pre-taping them doing various tasks and uh most of them are just like set inside this house which is like one of the best things about it like it's not a big production they're just like in a lot of them they end up walking into a room it looks like they walked into one of dexter's kill rooms or something like they're just going through a sheet of plastic and here's a watermelon on the table and an envelope um and so they'll read the envelope and then they know what their task is and usually the fastest person to complete it will win um but they could also be disqualified for various things uh, they get ranked four points depending on their place and then the first thing they do in every episode is they bring their own prizes to sort of go in a prize pool based on the theme and then at the end whoever wins and the last task is always a live one done in the studio uh, and who wins gets all the prizes and mm. that's it and then at the end of each season uh, whoever's gotten the most points overall wins the whole thing and they get like a statue uh or a trophy stop doing whatever you're doing it's you... uh, my chair is breaking <laughs> great it's on its uh, yeah it's having about time uh, well you insisted i hit record again uh yeah. so but yeah it's really funny i'll send you a link to some of the episodes so you can see them but um the tasks are stuff like a lot of them involve figuring out a way around the rules which is those are the ones i like the most when they figure out some way to sort of come up with creative solutions to it sometimes there's no real way around it one is just like here is a mayor you have 20 minutes to impress him and okay for some reason john richardson decides to sing desperado by the eagles uh joe wilkinson also of cats does countdown fame uh just goes next door to the convenience store comes back with like 42 popsicles and a 12 pack of beer and he sits there and eats and drinks with them <laughs> uh yeah it it's good it also introduced me to the phrase john has achieved egg which i enjoy quite a bit uh, I take it they're still not filming that stuff Then if there's like a studio component On account of the coronavirus I, Oh I don't know I know it switched channels It was originally on Dave and now it's on channel 4 uh, But Open up the British panel shows But, but I know it has been um, Renewed for like 4 or 5 more series I think uh, But It's available on YouTube up to series six i think so there's quite a bit of stuff on there to watch i highly recommend it yeah 
I also started watching Dorohedoro, and about three episodes in, I decided I would rather read the manga because there's a whole lot of CGI in it that looks real bad. Oh, you were telling me that they didn't have CGI. So they deceived you. Yes, because I had skipped around. Tricked. Yes, I had skipped around in, and all of the parts I saw did not have it. Uh, so but, you just like by pure luck yeah. skipping around you managed to dodge the ample amounts of cgi yes actually oh god because oh, for some reason a... some reason like the main bad guy is like almost never cgi from what i can tell but the huh. main characters are and so like the incidental yeah, characters are not it's like it's almost the opposite of what you would think but i guess like they make the 3d model and then can use that more often for them i guess i don't know you were uh, telling me about this the other day uh, that you were impressed by how it didn't rely on CGI which is an an increasing rarity today in anime cartoons in general uh, to which I agreed and it is very distressing to find out that you in fact were completely wrong yeah yeah it's It's too bad because it has a good look to it Um, but the, the thing is the manga the art in it is I don't know that there's really a way for them to replicate that in animation because it's so like well, sketchy sure, just like, and messy and ultra detailed. Yeah, just like a uh, berserk. So you know you should do it like really bad instead. <laughs> yeah, actually, very similar. Um, yeah, a lot of cross hatching in like, berserk. Like um, Dorohedro, the manga, it it looks like the creator. It's it's like if Katsuhiro Otomo got way into David Cronenberg. No. That sounds pretty good, though. Yeah. Like also, yes, that that makes sense that that would be very difficult to do in animation. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah. I think they kind of did the best they could. The use of color in it is really interesting. Um, But, yeah, just overall, like, I thought, well, I really like the setting and the characters and everything, but this CGI is too much for me to handle, so I'm just going to go read it. Yeah, probably probably better that way mm. uh, speaking of but before we go um a tiny thing i found a twitter account that was just a bunch of like uh, like random art from dragon ball and dragon ball z and you know gt and all that stuff and uh like concept art that i've never seen before like there was a concept art page of mr popo that showed like various designs that were rejected uh, mm. before settling on something vaguely racist <laughs> um <laughs> Were the originals even worse? No, they were like a, a weird lizard man kind oh. of thing, like a, a short lizard dude. And then one of them was just like a tall old guy with a mustache. Um, just like a regular dude. Uh, and he had like a turban on. Uh, but like the, the thing about that Twitter account, uh, I, I'm not going to find it now because I've, I've closed it out and it would take me forever. Uh, unlike pictures of Luminar 2, which I will absolutely pause the podcast for to find. I was going to say, it didn't um, stop you before. No, I had to find that, that fucking solid gold Bob Vila joke that I took a screen cap of. Um, yeah, the, the the thing that's kind of damning about that account is it then also shows concept art uh, that Toriyama did for Dragon Ball Super and other art that Toriyama has done uh, very recently. And so you get to see the complete de-evolution of his style and his abilities as an artist, and it's really kind of sad, actually. Yeah, like he's old. Yeah, but it's just depressing kind of taking that in when you see, like, original, like, very early designs for Super Saiyan Goku, and you're like, 
oh man, this is great. This is really detailed and it's very good. And then you see like Gohan in a tracksuit and then you want to lay down for a while. <laughs> it's just a bummer. It's such a fucking bummer. Uh, I, I really wish that Toriyama just kind of stepped away from Dragon Ball, period, when he finished Z and... Like, the the Sandman series? Not Sandman. Uh, oh, what is it? Sand you know what Land. I'm talking about, right? Yep. Sandland. Thank you. Although Toriyama drawing Sandman would be pretty good. Sure. Um, yeah, Sandland was was great. I, I and I kind of wish that he went off and uh, did more small stuff like that. It's kind yep. of a, a bummer that now here we are and here's Dragon Ball Super and a lot of people like that for Make some more reason. Kawa. I guess they're starved. Yeah. More anyway, Doctor Slumps. Yeah. Yeah. And that one Doctor Slump episode in Dragon Ball Super, and it was the closest that show has gotten to being watchable. Was it Super? I thought it was in just like yeah. regular Dragon Ball. No, that that's a, it's in both. There is okay. a episode where Rayleigh shows up in Super, and she keeps beating the ever loving shit out of Vegeta. <laughs> okay. It's it's pre- it's pretty good. It's like yeah, it sounds all right. It's pretty good. It is the driver's ed episode of Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> Great. Pretty is good. Vegeta wearing uh, a post boy short shirt shirt short? Um, no, unfortunately he does not. But I think he's in like a suit the entire time because uh, mm. I think they're at like a gala or something like that. Was it say um, bad man? I wish. Yeah, you could wear a tie that says bad man. Yeah, sure. He's not gonna do that though. But yeah. It, Yeah. All right. I guess that's it. Hi, where did I drop off exactly? I don't know, uh, the tie Oh, okay, yeah Alright, well, if you want to hit record, I can finish up here I never stopped I'll just end it out What? Okay that's fine. I fell out of the out of the audio recording for a second. Anyway, that's uh. I just wanted to contribute to anime talk by saying that I looked at some old Akira Toriyama art and some new Akira Toriyama art, and it made me depressed. So well, goodbye, cool. dinosaurs. <laughs> right. Bye. Walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells. Grapes, melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Oh yeah! Walnuts, peanuts, pineapple smells. Grapes, huh. melons, oranges, and coconut shells. Come on, Cranky, take it to the fridge!